Welcome to the Inside the Board Study Smarter series dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed on your exam. Hey guys, it's Patrick here. This is our Question Dissections collaboration with DaVinci Academy. Find them at dviacademy.com. We're creating question dissections for pathology and working on a health system science and ethics question dissections product. These are all very similar to the Study Smarter podcast episodes that you're used to hearing. However, we will have video um, hosted over on DaVinci Academy's platform and the audio uh, resting inside the Inside the Boards platform uh, with some you know free episodes like we've always done, but a little bit more attention, more expansive, and expect to see a lot more content and other things coming from ITB in the near future. As always, I appreciate you listening. I've been at this for over five years now. Um, it continues, and we're going to be revamping ITB as a platform. We've got uh, a number of awesome people who just joined our team. And if you want to join and help us with really anything, because we are as you know as collaborative, probably the most collaborative medical education company, I'd like to think, then shoot us an email, info at insidetheboards.com. Thanks for listening. Here is our question dissections pathology case. All right, everybody. So we've got our second pathology case for you in this edition of Da Vinci Cases Inside the Boards edition. Uh, remember, you can find the video on our YouTube and then the audio on the Inside the Boards platform. So for this case, we have a 48-year-old man, so a middle-aged guy, and he's presenting to the emergency room with nausea, vomiting, severe pain over the right upper quadrant that began four hours ago. So kind of your knee-jerk reaction with this, obviously when you have right upper quadrant pain in the acute setting with nausea and vomiting is acute cholecystitis or gallbladder disease. But you want to keep in mind some other things as well. Remember the liver is in the right upper quadrant, so this patient could have cirrhosis or acute liver failure, could have some type of pathology affecting the biliary tree. So you want to keep all those things in mind when you see this type of presentation. So the vitals in the ER show that the patient is febrile, but hemodynamically stable. So this is important. He's febrile, so there could be some type of inflammatory or infectious process going on here as a result of their underlying pathology, but he's hemodynamically stable. So it hasn't progressed to the point of the patient being septic or something like that. So that's important to keep in mind. Physical exam reveals jaundice. Remember, this is just yellowing of the skin, which is usually a result of buildup of bilirubin, which is often caused by either pathology in the biliary tract or in the liver or potentially both. Uh, so definitely want to keep that in mind. He has right upper quadrant tenderness on exam, which is confirms what he presented with. And then he has a negative Murphy sign. So remember a Murphy sign is where you kind of press below the costal border there, right where the gallbladder would be touching if it's really inflamed and enlarged. And this is actually pretty uh, specific for acute cholecystitis. So the fact that he has a negative Murphy sign makes us a little less suspicious for acute cholecystitis. But nevertheless, it's still on our differential, but maybe moved down a little bit. So the labs are notable for a total bilirubin of 3.3 milligrams per deciliter. The normal range is 0.1 to 1.2. So this is significantly elevated. So again, revealing some type of pathology affecting the biliary tree. He also has an alkaline phosphatase of 500. 
The normal range is 40 to 150. So again, these are kind of both pointing us towards some type of biliary pathology. And then he has mildly elevated AST and ALT. So those are our liver enzymes. The fact that they're mildly elevated definitely suggests that the liver is definitely involved. But as far as like severe liver failure or cirrhosis, you would usually see pretty severely elevated AST and ALT in those cases. So it's kind of pointing us a little bit away and kind of lining up more so with a biliary pathology. He has an elevated white blood cell count and then a normal lipase. The lipase is important because as we'll show you later, uh, the pancreatic anatomy is kind of tied in here as well. And so the lipase kind of indicates is there, you know, acute pancreatitis going on as well, because you can have a gallstone that can lead to that as well. So lastly here, we get some imaging. So the ultrasound is really only notable for common bile duct dilation. So that usually means there's some type of obstruction blocking bile flow through the common bile duct. And so as a result of that, you see dilation. That could be due to a gallstone, which is kind of the most likely cause. There's other causes we'll talk about, which could include malignancy as well. So again, the question is, is which of the following is the most likely mechanism of this patient's pathology? So I'll turn it over to Patrick here to kind of summarize these key findings. Yeah, so the big ones to note you kind of touched on are focused on first the age of the patient. So we've got somebody who's 48, the primary chief complaint being nausea, vomiting, and pain specifically located in the right upper quadrant. He's got lab findings uh, consistent with inflammation, which is an elevated white blood cell count. The vitals are significant for a fever. His exam, uh, more specifically, is tenderness in the right upper quadrant, but importantly, a negative Murphy's sign. And then other labs, we've got the greatly elevated bilirubin and alkaline phosphatase, and then the mildly elevated ALT, AST, with an important pertinent negative, the normal lipase level. And then on imaging, we have a common bile duct dilation on ultrasound exam. So with all that being said, which of the following is the most likely mechanism of this patient's pathology? So we've got a, gallbladder wall inflammation, B, partial gallstone obstruction of the common bile duct, C, ascending infection of the common bile duct, or D, obstruction of the pancreatic duct. So um, this one's going to be answer choice C, ascending infection of the common bile duct. Let's see. So we've got ascending infection of the common bile duct. So let's go through and look at why this is the correct answer and why the rest of these are not the most correct answer. I think to go to that, we got to review a little bit of some of your biliary tree anatomy. Now, remember, the bile is produced in the liver and then it's stored in the gallbladder. And so you have bile that's produced here, it makes its way through the tree, and then eventually it ends up in the duodenum, which it helps with digestion of fats specifically. Now, there's all kinds of pathology that can affect the transit of bile on its way to the duodenum and then also uh, its storage in the gallbladder. So just the anatomy, you have the right and left hepatic ducts that drain the intrahepatic ducts, which is where you have bile that's collected from where it's synthesized in the liver. Then those join to form the common hepatic duct, and then that joins with the cystic duct, which is draining the gallbladder. And then when the cystic duct joins the common hepatic duct, you form the common bile duct, 
which then comes down here. And then what it has down here distally is the pancreatic duct draining the pancreas that joins with it. And then you form the ampulla of vatter, which also contains the sphincter of OD, which essentially regulates flow of both bile and then pancreatic enzymes into the duodenum. So over here, for those of you watching the video, we have kind of the list of the differential we've been talking about, which we will go through each of these to kind of see where they form within the anatomy of the biliary tree. So cholelithiasis, whenever you see the word lithiasis, you know, nephrolithiasis, cholelithiasis, cholelithiasis, it just means stone formation or the presence of a stone. Uh, so in this case, chole meaning gallbladder, lithiasis, as you can see here on the screen, there's some yellow circles here to represent gallstone formation in the gallbladder. However, there's no obstruction. So it's just simply, there's plenty of people that walk around with this where they just have gallstones floating around in the gallbladder and there's no issues there. Now, what can happen is, is you have one that kind of shoots down here into the cystic duct and blocks bile transit into the common bile duct. And a result of that, it causes a buildup of bile back into the gallbladder. And then you have inflammation of the gallbladder wall. And then that leads to acute cholecystitis. A few things on ultrasound, you could definitely see gallbladder wall thickening, edema. You could see pericolstic fluid, uh, which is kind of fluid collecting around the gallbladder as well. Um, so those are all kind of ultrasound signs. In this patient, we don't see any of those. They just mention that the common bile duct is dilated. So they don't mention any of these ultrasound findings consistent with acute cholecystitis. So now we move down to cholecystitis. So that's where a gallstone kind of leaves the gallbladder, makes its way through the cystic duct, but then gets stuck in the common bile duct. Now, at this point, it's just the presence of a stone. You know, you may have a little bit of buildup or a partial obstruction, um, but at this point, you don't have significant inflammation or an infection developing at this point. So again, it's just simply the presence of the stone. Now, if you get to ascending cholangitis, this is where you have a full-on obstruction. There's multiple causes of this, as we'll talk about. You can Most common is a gallstone, like we're showing here. You can also have a tumor in the biliary tree, such as a cholangiocarcinoma that can obstruct this. You can also have a pancreatic head tumor that can obstruct this. Anytime in the body when you block the flow of something, it's a kind of a breeding ground for bacteria to develop. And then so you have an infection that develops, you have inflammation that develops in here. And then the ascending part is just as it sounds, it ascends up this biliary tree and then comes into the liver and actually affects the liver. So that's why you can see elevated AST and ALT as a result of affecting the liver. Lastly here, we have gallstone pancreatitis. So you have a gallstone that comes down and makes its way to blocking the pancreatic duct. So you block pancreatic fluid and pancreatic enzymes from being drained out of the pancreas. And as a result of that, you have premature triggering or activation of those pancreatic enzymes, which then triggers pancreatitis. So those patients are going to have epigastric pain, increased lipase, those types of uh, clinical findings. So if we come back to the answer choices, I'll pass it over to Patrick here to kind of walk you guys through these. First up, uh, answer choice A or distractor A was um, gallbladder wall inflammation. So that in that case, we're talking about cholecystitis um, and just a slight specification of the etymology. The chole is actually Greek for bile specifically. So that's why you see like these different iterations of cholecystitis, cholelithiasis, and cholelithiasis. So cholecystitis inflammation um, caused by obstruction of the cystic duct leading to a backup of bile into the bladder. There's also an autoimmune form of this. 
The classic findings are right upper quadrant pain with a positive Murphy sign. So you have that cessation of inspiration upon palpation. The dead ringer for this sort of thing is the patient can really time their pain to, you know, like whenever I eat higher fat foods, for instance, they can see like this uh, exacerbation of any like background pain that they have. You'll on lab findings see elevated white blood cell counts. You can see increased bilirubin or ALKFOS and the AST and ALT can be slightly elevated, also normal. You mentioned ultrasound findings. So the classic ones that are probably going to show up as descriptors on an exam would be gallbladder wall thickening and pericholecystic fluid or fluid around the gallbladder. What's important to note here is that just the presence of stones inside a gallbladder does not mean a person has cholecystitis. I would just emphasize that. So just be careful when talking, explaining, getting pimped, etc., that you're making that distinction between cholelithiasis, which is just the presence of a stone without inflammation, and cholecystitis, which is inflammation of the gallbladder itself. So then Answer choice B was partial gallstone obstruction of the common bile duct. So this would be a, at least starting on, as a non-inflammatory process, but the word itself just means uh, cholecholithiasis or cholecholithiasis is just gallbladder stone in that common bile duct. So the common bile duct dilation on ultrasound would be a classic finding. You're still going to see probably that right upper quadrant pain, but you're not going to have like the stigmata of infection or general inflammation like a fever, for instance, uh, especially on an exam when um, they're trying to make it as black and white as, as possible. Moving on to C, which was our correct answer, ascending infection of the common bile duct, which medically is termed ascending cholangitis. So this would be kind of best understood as the consequence of a garden variety cholecholithiasis that creates that stasis of bile and um, leads to an infection. And so what you're going to see with cholecholithiasis is an absence of infectious signs or symptoms with ascending cholangitis, that inflammation of the common bile duct. You're going to see positive signs of infection like the fever, sepsis, leukocytosis. You know, you, you can have vital sign changes, so it kind of goes with sepsis, but elevated heart rate, low blood pressure. I think in this case, referring back, if you remember, we had an ultrasound fighting that was notable for common bile duct dilation. So that could be something that you see with both a cholecholithiasis, you know, a stone there without associated infection, also something you can see with ascending cholangitis, which we're discussing now which you can think of as uh, gallstone or some other process, but gallstone is probably the easiest as a 
test case in your mind with signs of infection. But in my mind, if I were stuck, say, between answer choice B and C, and I'm just like, nah, this is kind of a softball for this, but you've got two very similar pathologic, pathophysiologic entities with very similar presentations. So you've got one that is inflammatory slash usually infection, ascending cholangitis, and one that isn't. So in that case, just throwing it out there, if you're kind of stuck, because you're like, oh man, all I can remember is that in cholidocolithiasis, there's common bile ducts dilation. Remember, they're not trying to trick you. So you've got this common bile duct dilation that you see as a result of infection along that biliary tree or obstruction without infection yet. You know, maybe there's an impending infection with cholidocolithiasis. But in any case, that common bile duct dilation with signs of infection as we have in this case, elevated white blood cell count and uh, fever kind of like seals the deal for ascending cholangitis as the correct answer choice. You won't see the things that you do see in this answer choice with cholidocolithiasis. In ascending cholangitis, expect to see the full gamut of laboratory abnormalities. So leukocytosis, increased bilirubin, increased alkaline phosphatase, and an increased ALT or AST, which you can also refer to as a transaminitis. The only thing I'd add is that on the ultrasound findings, usually you're not going to see like those findings we describe for gallbladder wall inflammation or cholecystitis. Again, this is a pathology of the biliary tree. It's not synonymous with cholecystitis. So only finding a dilated common bile duct is very typical for this. So answer choice D, which was obstruction of the pancreatic duct. This is usually what leads to gallstone pancreatitis. Um, Obstruction of the pancreatic duct is essentially going to be gallstone pancreatitis because I'm pretty sure you can't have an obstructed pancreatic duct and not have like backup inflammation and all sorts of negative consequences from being unable to dump those pancreatic enzymes into the ampulla of Vater and pass through the sphincter of OD to the duodenum. In any case, gallstone pancreatitis. So as you can imagine, as it's in the name, it's caused by gallstones obstructing the main pancreatic duct which, as I said, leads to a backup of the pancreatic enzymes. How do you distinguish this more particularly pancreatic pathology from stuff that is more dextral or to the right? I would say classically you get that epigastric pain that people describe, not so much to the right. And I will say as well, sometimes people who have liver or gallbladder disease will have more of like an epigastric-ish pain. But guess what? On an exam, that's probably not going to be the case. On an exam, if you've got an epigastric pain, the top thing is going to be probably a stomach or, or pancreatic process. So epigastric pain that kind of like radiates to the back has a number of different causes which get smashed. Um, so besides gallstones, the gene gets smashed, you can get pancreatitis from ethanol, trauma, 
steroids, mumps, autoimmune disease, scorpions. This is why I'm mentioning this one. I love it. Like why we need to know that. But hypercalcemia or hypertriglyceridemia, ERCP, and drugs generally. I get smashed. So ERCP, for those of you who aren't familiar, is an... Here's a, here's a word, a $10 word. Can't use it much in common speech, but endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography. Um, the hallmark, especially on an exam, laboratory finding with pancreatitis generally, and um, uh, which includes gallstone pancreatitis, because pretty sure gallstones is the most common cause of pancreatitis if... I'm not mistaken, uh, probably alcohol is second. I'd have to fact that. But for gallstone pancreatitis or any pancreatitis, what do you need to be thinking about on labs? Lipase. So you will have an elevated serum lipase. Amylase also can be elevated, but it is less specific. And then the only other thing boards-wise probably to keep in your mind would be that pancreatitis can lead to hypocalcemia. I remember that being something pointed out just because there's saponification or precipitation of calcium and like essentially makes like soap through some sort of chemical magic that they did not teach me during my graduate work in philosophy. So there you have it. We got cholecystitis, gallbladder wall inflammation, cholecolithiasis, a partial gallstone obstruction of the common bile duct, ascending infection of the common bile duct, which is ascending cholangitis, and then obstruction of the pancreatic duct, gallstone pancreatitis. Four entities that very likely you would see grouped together on an exam because they have a very similar clinical presentation but each, as we've seen here, can be distinguished by key physical exam findings or laboratory studies. And imaging findings. Yes, imaging is important. That is true. Yeah, and I, actually, going on that, I would add for the pancreatitis, usually we don't do ultrasound for, you would get a CT scan for that. And in acute pancreatitis, you would see things, this, this may be on a board exam, it may this may be a little bit above that, but just for your own knowledge is that you'd see kind of signs of inflammation. So you'd see fluid in the pancreatic parenchyma. You could see peripancreatic fluid as well. You usually don't see calcifications unless this is a patient with chronic pancreatitis, like acute on chronic pancreatitis. Usually calcifications on a CT scan are usually more a sign of chronic pancreatitis. But those are kind of the, you also see usually pancreatic duct dilation on the scan very nicely as well. So those are kind of your findings on CT scan that could point you towards that as well. Another like fourth order question I could see that gets you thinking clinically would be to present a case of somebody with more of a chronic pancreatitis picture. And in chronic pancreatitis, you end up like basically burning out your pancreas so you don't have pancreatic enzymes to break down various foodstuffs and, and things your body's trying to process, uh, leading to some vitamin deficiencies. And then what's important would be what is one of the long-term consequences of this? Well, if your pancreas ain't working, you can get diabetes. And I feel like that is something that for whatever reason, I'd always be like, oh yeah, I have to remember that whenever we have like a 
a patient with chronic pancreatitis in residency. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should probably check the sugars. The last thing I would mention, just because it popped into my mind, is that there is something called primary sclerosing cholangitis. So this would be a form of cholangitis, which on the boards, the associations you need to remember are it happens with ulcerative colitis. And if you have a bout of primary sclerosing cholangitis, your risk of gallbladder cancer and cholangiocarcinoma is increased. That's pretty much the extent of my knowledge on this entity for your board's purposes. So I don't know if you have anything to add. Otherwise, I think that wraps case number two. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's all we've got for you on this one. Looking forward to the next one. Head over to insidetheboards.com to listen to the podcasts that we have. And you can find DaVinci cases at dviacademy.com or just go over to the YouTube channel, which is what? YouTube.com slash DaVinci Academy Med. There you go. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you.